0: You're listening to The Talking 20 Podcast. This podcast is for you if you're in your 20s and you're thinking, what the hell am I doing? We've all been there and we wanna talk about it. We're your hosts, Bridget O'Rourke and Mary Margaret Courtney, and we sit down with fellow millennials to chat about their journey and hear what they've learned along the way. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Talking 20. Today we are joined by Anthony DeFeo Anthony was one of Mary's friends in high school, and when we interview someone that Mary knows and I don't, she always leaves me some jot notes so that I can make an introduction. And here's what I'm gathering from these notes today. You know those people who are, like, really, really funny and think outside of the box? There's always at least one of them in everybody's high school experience. Usually there's a group of them. Usually they're the improv kids, the drama kids. Usually they're Mary and her friends. So that's what I'm gathering today. That's what seems to sum up Anthony, and let me tell you why. Not only has Anthony studied improv and traveled around the world with theater, but in 2020, Anthony decided to take his worst idea ever and make a podcast about it. (laughs) It's random, it's hilarious, and I have one very important question that I really want answered today, and that is, why? (laughs) So we're going to get into that um, and more about Anthony's life. We'll talk about moving far away. We're going to talk about relationship stuff, career stuff. So buckle up and get ready to hear about all about what his life is about. And don't worry, we will reveal his terrible podcast, Worthy Idea, in just a few minutes. Welcome to the show, Anthony.
1: Wow, thank you. I am really glad I didn't get to hear that ahead of time, because I was, like, <laughs> on board, like, can't wait to hear how Mary described me. And what I got was, like, it was, just a, it was a weird kid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a no, this
0: no i got my funny. Jot
2: notes my jot notes were mm-hmm. studied acting and i started off with the questionnaire thing that we fill out Rest. studied acting great at improv creative mind did a lot of absurd theater and then in brackets so bridget understands it's a type of theater performance uh like comedy or drama took a theater show to the world stage in cardiff wales where he was a lead role and then breaks down all the other crap that we'll get into. I don't want to give it away. Like, worked yeah. at Shopify, which I was like, I think?
1: Yeah. No, that, <laughs> yeah. that's accurate. Okay.
0: Well, this, this, is, the last time
1: this is good to know, because that means, and by the way, I don't disagree with your assessment, Bridget, but this means that you, you translated that to, it was a pretty weird theater kid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, well, she also my translation was funny kid, not weird kid, but yes, I also knew Mary. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. You will have to deal with me projecting my insecurities throughout all of this. So <laughs> right. this
0: whole thing. <laughs> all right. So That's let's exactly get what we want. right into it and figure out how you two weirdos met.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> high school. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> so we met. They're going to the same school. That's basically it. No. Done. Yeah. We were both the drama kids. We did plays, the improv team, all that stuff. Um, and then we actually taught in a program class, whatever it was called, leadership class, um, where I don't know why, but I was like, yeah, I should do that with Anthony, where he was just a bully for like a full semester. No, hmm, uh, That we reminds were, me of somebody. Yeah. Then, So I would go to school, I get bullied by Anthony, and then I would come home and bully you.
0: <laughs> she I would I take out her home. insecurities on me, Anthony, so thanks yes. for that. Hurt I mean, people hurt circle. people, Bridget.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I hate how fair that is. I'm, like, reflecting back, and I'm, like, oh, yeah, that was a good time. And then you were, like, Anthony bullied me daily. And I was, like, oh, yeah. Was <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, it, it was maybe a bad time.
2: No, it was fun. Love. It was, yeah, yeah. And we had, like, such a good group of people. And, oh, I like, sure. we always used to joke and be, like, we made drama cool. But, like, legit, we made drama cool. And some of those people are some of the coolest people I still know to this day. So The,
1: the weirdest thing about our high school is, like, As I came out of high school and was like explaining how it went, I felt like I was so often lying and telling people that like I lived in a fantasy land. Cause I was like, listen, I I, like truly, truly, I know the drama kids at your school were like weird, but like, we were cool. Like we had like clout amongst the jocks. I swear. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like people liked (laughs) us genuinely. I still tell some of the story like so my my favorite jokes is you and John Trevalo are obviously still besties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. So one of my favorite stories is still when they put computers in the drama room and often lots of groups of people like to hang out in that room. And he would sit there and fuck with people's assignments. So he'd, like, replace words with, like, whatever, like, profanity. And That's, my favorite like, the worst still... thing you can do to somebody. It's very <laughs> the mean. best was he waited for someone to go to print out an assignment and print it right before them. And so a thing came out of the printer. I just said, fuck you. <laughs> Across the paper. The kid his assignment. I was like, what the hell? But yeah, I was like, we were a funny group of people. And yeah, like it, anyway, I agree. I think people are like, yeah, okay. You think you were, you were cool. And I was like, well, no one will ever know unless they were in it with us. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But yes, it was a great time. And then, uh, we went our separate ways when, well, you were a year older, so you graduated and Never really looked back. Thanks. That's okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> I hate it, it without you.
1: <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to move forward. I had a few friends stay behind. My best friends actually stayed behind a year, and I was like, "Ooh, I can't. Like, I can't cling to to high school." I was also like, Mary and I bro- both grew up in relatively small towns, um, and I think, and and like no judgment to anybody who uh, you know is is from a small town, but I, I think there are like kind of two, I don't know, like modes of thought that you adopt when you're from a small town. It's either like I'm comfortable and I want to stay or I cannot wait to get the fuck out of here. Uh, Can I swear on this part? I don't even know why. You can
0: absolutely swear. Okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah, you can.
1: Fuck you you," earlier. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I, I was the second mentality like very, very quickly. I was like, I cannot wait to get out of this small town. Like I had big city dreams and so uh yeah so I, I, I like didn't really look back at, at high school at all because I was like where am I going yeah
0: where yeah. yeah did did you go to Toronto where did you go
1: I did I did yeah I I um I pretty quickly uh moved um to Toronto I, I kind of like uh I didn't move in with uh, my girlfriend at the time but um I basically just like <laughs> lived at her house as often as I could um and then once I got a full-time job, I immediately moved to Toronto. I was like, all right, later. I have income.
2: Nice. What'd you go to school for again, specifically?
1: I went to school, <laughs> I went to school for probably one of the more useless things I think, which was, um, I, w- I went to school for like theater creation and development, uh, which isn't even acting, though i worked as like a performer and actor. It's, it's like about uh, theater creation. Um, mine was a little bit weird. It was mostly theater creation in a collaborative space. Um, but I like to joke that that's like basically just, I went to school so that I could make pretend, and then I was like, ooh, maybe, maybe like this isn't enough. So I, I did a minor in creative writing so that I could also write pretend, um, and collectively I'm like... I'm very good at pretend, so.
0: And now, and you're talking about living in a fantasy world in high school, just like your whole, do you even exist?
1: <laughs> a daily question, my goodness. Bridget, please.
0: He's for sure in a simulation. Listen,
1: you're going to need to stay away from my inner dialogue, because that'll like put this whole thing into a matrix-like spiral for me. <laughs>
0: uh, that's what the, si- the scientists will tell us that, the scientists that listen to our before <laughs> chat. So it's all Yeah, good.
2: they're listening now. They're like, this guy's. Is- Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. Without further ado, we need to dive into our first topic of conversation. Um, let's start with this super funky, weird podcast. Can you tell us about it? What did you do? What was this podcast? Give us the details. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> like every um, good white man approaching his 30s, I was like, I should do a podcast um, that like the world does <laughs> not and,
2: in- and female. And females. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I honestly I feel like it's a disproportionately male um endeavor so that like is, that I, is true I'm glad to hear that that you two are uh you know going on strong but um Thanks. but yeah <laughs> like we I, I really wanted to get back into like comedy and performance and um podcasting is is just like a really great entry uh, to, to pr- making your own content um like after years of theater creation know the the overhead for making a show happen is like just crazy right um so yeah we we thought like we could podcast really easily and it would be nice to do a comedy podcast and um i had a lot of really uh cool ideas uh but i think the (laughs) i also had a lot of jokes and one of the jokes was so compelling that i just had to see it through um I joked that it would be really funny to have a podcast called 50 Weeks of Grey, uh, in which we had one person watch the movie Fifty Shades of Grey once a week for 50 weeks. And the the title is really where it came from. Um, And every time I like pitched podcasts to friends... Like the good ideas would get a little conversation, but this joke would just explode. People were like, uh, like commenting on how stupid it was, how ridiculous it was, and like would not stop. And I was like, man, that's like the most marketable thing. Then yeah. The, the absolutely, one. yeah. And so, um, yeah, it, like the the problem was that I like in. I could not convince anyone else to do this. Like and there's there's no one that I hate or love enough to put through watching that movie that many times. So this was like a I'll have to do it myself kind of thing. And yeah, and we did.
2: You really suffer for your art. I <laughs> yeah. listen,
1: I I commit. That's that yeah. was lesson one.
2: What's fantastic about that story is that most people who create a podcast is because they're like high sitting on their couch and go, we should create a podcast about that. They never actually do it. So I was like, Oh, this must've been just like, uh, uh, like Anthony hanging out with some people and they were like, no, I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. And then you being you was like, no, but I've said, I'm going to do it. So now I actually have to do it. So the fact that you've been like, I am actively trying to pitch a podcast. I found the one. It's super, like, to, to me, I'm like, this is just not efficient time. Like, this is a time not well spent. And the fact that you're like, no, we're going to do it, and uh, let's go.
1: The, I, I like, really commit, uh, good idea or bad, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I think that the the crazy thing about watching any movie, honestly, this frequently, and, like, with that pace, is that you hit a point of no return, and it's like shockingly early like if you've watched this movie 10 times okay you've spent 10 weeks where you've sacrificed two hours of your time i'm just like man am i really gonna throw it away even at this point point? and then you hit 25 and you're like okay now like it would be stupid to quit right um so yeah i the the discipline is mainly shame based <laughs>
0: So, like, what did you talk about on it? Like, how how can you come up with different topics of conversation every week? Uh,
1: Yeah, well, okay, there's a few ways. One was, um, like, I am (laughs) – I'm just, like, uh, joyously naive and easily enthusiastic. And so, like, even, like, you know, 15 weeks in – I was like, "Hey, you know what I just realized about this scene in the movie?" And like, I can I can talk about those things forever. Um just cuz it's like I'm really really enthused by really stupid things. But after a while, we really had to start digging and like anything, anything became relevant content and like we started chasing ridiculous threads there's one episode where I just came to the table with every unhinged conspiracy theory that I had digging into the pieces of the plot that absolutely weren't there like is (laughs) Anna's mom Anna is one of the main characters is her mom actually murdering her ex-husbands why does she have three let's dig into that there was another episode where um I actually found a uh a replica or an AI program that is free and it lets you like have like an AI friend. Uh, it's honestly it's pretty interesting. But I was like, what if we just spend the episode training it to be Christian Grey? Like, can we make this uh, AI program <laughs>
2: oh want
1: to be a dominant it is uh, – and then, like, halfway through, I realized that I'm just, like, live sexting a robot with my friends. But, like, <laughs> yes. there's a lot of content that can be dug out.
2: Is that interesting to listen to?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know. I've listened back to it. The more you listen to the podcast, though, I think the more clearly unhinged uh, I got. Um, and, like, the, the, like I started – there's a whole notebook of my notes. because I took notes, like, every week. And my notes even start, like – just getting ridiculous. Like I start, uh, you know, like 40 something weeks in, I'm like, oh, by the way, the IT guy in that one scene, his name is Andrew. It's like, why the fuck does any of that matter? It doesn't. But on week 45, any bit of content, (laughs) like any bit of new information that you can pull out of a movie is significant.
2: Yeah. Did you try to find like discrepancies and like continuity issues? I did, yeah,
1: yeah. I tried to find uh, any sort of plot hole. Um, like my favorite, my favorite one is like I think this was like thirty something weeks in. I realized th- the um, the movie starts uh, or pretty early in the movie. There's like an interview scene between Anna and Christian, the main characters, and uh, Anna loses her pencil, and then Christian gives her a pencil. And, like, it's, like, a totally suggestive thing because she keeps, like, biting on the pencil and he finds that hot. It's ridiculous. But um, at no point in the entire scene, like, she stalls the interview because she lost her pencil and then proceeds to never write anything down because she came with a recorder. And I just think it's so <laughs> ridiculous that they, like, made it a thing and then she didn't write, like, even the date, like nothing. She didn't use it at all other than to just chew on it endlessly. Um, so like, yeah, like you, I only found like really, really tiny minor things that I think only matter to a person who's watched it 20 plus times. Um, but yes, I did.
2: Have you seen it before starting this podcast? Uh,
1: only once, a long time ago, I used to work at a movie theater. And so I actually worked when it came out and that like that's a whole thing too those were just like sweaty sweaty theaters it was like really really weird Ew. um it and went, so, yeah. when you work
0: at a movie theater like you're in charge of cleaning up those sweaty sweaty theaters. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah it's uh it was uncomfortable but i think a lot of people uh a lot of like middle-aged women needed that release and I've come to appreciate it. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> so w- will you ever watch it again?
1: Uh, you could not pay me. I mean, you could, but like, you'd have to pay me a lot. Like <laughs> I did not make enough off like content that you could pay me. But um, the funny thing was we were like, listen, if this goes viral, I-, I only ever watched until the last few weeks. I only ever watched the first movie and um we were like if this ever goes viral we have to do the sequel right and just like we have we have three seasons of this potentially oh my god we could even start doing unrelated movies like liam neeson's the gray and and just see how that goes um but we uh, like (laughs) is that the
0: one where they get eaten by wolves or something yeah
1: i've actually never seen it so it would be interesting to me but he fights wolves. spoiler
0: alert Gets eaten, by wolves.
1: <laughs> gets eaten by wolves big spoiler but yeah I you would have to pay me a lot of money to ever watch that movie again I, I still like the soundtrack which has a lot of like pop songs if they ever come on a random Spotify playlist if I am within earshot I will one leave or two just scream to please Swear. please <laughs> change it Sometimes Netflix likes to recommend Fifty Shades. It's like you've watched this fifty times. No. I,
2: I yeah. think you want it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. And when and you yeah. hover over it and it starts playing the preview, there have been times where my fiance has just like left it on because she's like texting and trying to find what she wants to watch. And I have like yelled, I'm like, please move it. Anything, I will die.
2: That's how I feel about the musical grease.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's really. I can imagine.
0: Oh, I love, I love. Oh Grey's. yeah, you know, if you did uh, Grey's Anatomy, you have like seventeen years of content there.
1: I. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, I think we can change it from fifty weeks to just like ten years of Grey. Like there is <laughs> <years>. so much <laughs> content. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> and then he 20. went insane. <laughs> i yeah, think so, it okay, so, would be okay because
1: yeah. it's progressive you know what i mean the the biggest problem was that i was watching the worst movie the there's a, a really great concept that defines it as well um i saw it I, I, I apologize to the content creator um but they called it like the the valley of uh mediocrity and it's like the the it's it's not bad enough to be like funny and it's not mm-hmm. good enough to be good it's just so middling that like it's kind of mind numbing and that yeah. describes this movie really well and like yeah at a certain point you're, you're just like this is just this isn't good but like it, it's just not good in a boring way
2: yeah it's not good enough to be interesting it's just literally middle ground blah
1: yeah exactly
2: i don't know how like i watch new stuff and my add brain's like i can't focus on this one movie i've never seen before like i don't know how every week you sit down you're like i'm going to watch this yeah did you you like? I know what happens here i'm going to (laughs) yeah i'm gonna have a nap gonna go to the bathroom make some dinner
1: social commitment like the the fact that i had to talk about it and, and like have content i was hungry for any new bit of insight and so like yeah, you just suffer through. But yeah, people people <laughs> did question. They were like, "There's no way you're watching it all the way through, a hundred percent." And and yeah, my, my partner would vouch for it. Uh, an unintentional victim of this whole thing because of the pandemic. I was started. gonna say,
0: did she have to like be there for this <laughs> whole extravaganza?
1: Yeah, yeah. We, Every we got week. like I, we got like six weeks in, and then the pandemic hit. Something along those lines. And so like. Yeah, she couldn't even go anywhere. <laughs> like she was just. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, out of I'm watching it, so you're oh, either okay, in or you're yeah. out.
0: Well, so she's marrying the... you, so she's in, I guess. That's <laughs> yeah. true.
2: Yeah. You've already been through the worst of it, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true.
0: Can you imagine having a boyfriend in the pandemic who won't stop watching Fifty Shades right? Grey? No, I wouldn't.
1: I she just can't. She can't. She, can.
0: she
2: can. And then she said yes weird.
1: I know. Weird. I know. Tr- the the greatest triumph of this whole experiment.
0: <laughs> yeah, no okay, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the podcasting side of it. So, yeah. did you do a lot of research going into it about podcasting or like why did you decide to make it a podcast and not a YouTube channel or a book or something like that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I I um I had been researching mostly like uh, media trends and uh podcasting is like such an evolving medium and and had been growing so rapidly that we were pretty excited about it we were like i I think this is a great way for us to make content and um and, and like develop an audience uh without having to uh compete with like youtube algorithm intense video editing um yeah. I mean, this was never going to be a live thing. Um, and so we, uh, we're, we're, yeah, podcasting just made a ton of sense for us. I think an- another thing is we didn't really plan on this, uh, blowing up and it, it, uh, didn't really, we had like a modest following and a, a really awesome loyal fan base, but, um, we wanted to uh, just commit and so the structure of this actually really worked for us as like creatives I made it with a, a few of my friends who are also like in the theater and performance scene And for us like this concept of we're gonna make a, a, a piece of art that like lasts 50 weeks So many podcasts are abandoned after their first I think it's like three to five episodes And uh, we wanted to challenge ourselves to get past that and get over that hump and have this like committed joke even that would force us into a creative process. And so, yeah, I I think just like a culmination of all those things, we're like, you know what? Let's like get those barriers out of the way. Let's do it in a medium we all feel confident that we can do and let's just like ship something.
2: That's very similar to what drew me into podcasting was I fucking hate social media and I need it for my job and it pays me like I get paid by the work I put out on fucking Instagram and it's yep. the worst. I wish I didn't need it. But in learning more about podcasting, I thought the same thing where I was like it is it isn't even remotely as big as I think it's going to get. I think it's going, you know, the amount of money that's going into it is a little insane. So when we started doing ours, I thought, you know, this is a great way to understand a new marketing tool from the baseline. I mean, it's been out there for a while, but yeah, like both Bridget and I being in marketing, we were like, this is definitely something you need to understand and be able to, uh, work as it grows and see. And like, we wouldn't have predicted a year ago, we'd, you know, be doing what we're doing and have the experience that we have and all that jazz. But, um, it's super cool that you guys had that angle where it was like, okay, this is something as artists that we should understand and play with,
1: yeah, definitely yeah that that resonates a ton. I think what we realized too though was i, I also i my work uh my real job is also in marketing, and so um we realized though I was like man the the marketing part of this is still such a big challenge, and like I think the reason that I've now um we sort of hung up our podcast. We had like another endeavor we're talking about whether we want to get back in or not. But part of the reason that we hung things up was I was like, yeah, you need to like really invest in this space, understand this space, make connections in this space. And um, as a whole, I wasn't super passionate about the, the podcasting sphere and the podcasting realm. And so it became like really, really uh, heavy work to start marketing Mm -hmm. the podcast itself. And you know that like, I mean, I think we knew that going in, but uh, yeah, just having to still do those things and like get your socials out there, connect with other podcasters at your level and start like building that community of podcasters is like such a big thing for artists (laughs) to do. And yeah, it's it's just a challenge when you're thinking about content creation. You don't want to think about how you're actually going to get your uh, content in front of an audience. You just really want to make things.
2: That was totally. the sickest joke we started. And then we were like, how do we optimize our podcast? Let's <laughs> learn. Let's talk to some people. And we like talk to a professional. It was like, so social media is just the most <laughs> important part. And I was like, well, fuck me. All right. That's a sick <laughs> joke because I <laughs> did not want to do this. And we've that's noticed exactly that it. like, yeah, our, our social media is like very intentional. And sometimes I want to throw my phone at a wall.
1: Yeah. yeah, 100%. I know. It's really funny, too, because, like, in the advent of uh, TikTok, I think, um, like, how you market yourself has really, really changed, too. And so, like, I I wish I could go back and, um, and just, like, change my perspective on social media marketing, um, because so much of, like, what TikTok's angle is, is just, like, authenticity and and like ridiculousness and I feel like they would have really loved the idea for our podcast. It's just I was going to
2: say, yeah. Oh yeah.
1: It's but all of our marketing was so polished and that was the wrong angle for TikTok. If we had done a better job of just being really messy about like video recording our our sessions and just throwing them up on TikTok when we said something really fucking stupid. I think, uh, yeah, I think we would have been looking at just, like, a different level of engagement. Um, Not that that's, like, completely off the table, even though it's done, but, uh, but yeah, like, it would have been, uh, it it would have helped us just, like, enjoy what we were doing instead of trying to create these, like, polished Instagram posts.
0: Totally, yeah, Yeah, sometimes I realize that when we put stuff out, it's, like, the stuff that I don't spend or Mary doesn't spend as much time on is the stuff that gets the most traction. Yeah. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Yeah, we're trying. Like,
2: we've openly been like, this year we're going to be more authentic, but I can't. Like, unpolished work is just... ridiculously hard it's so hard yeah and i just hate tiktok sorry tiktok but i just can't do it (laughs) how dare
1: you because your audience is
2: gone (laughs) yeah they didn't exist we started this talking 20 podcast for millennials and all the people who are like in their 40s and 50s are like i love this because they have the hindsight (laughs) right and like bridget like we joke because we started this podcast and I think at the time I had 18 months left of being in my 20s. (laughs) It's a really good time to start a podcast about being in your 20s. But we're kind of learning through the way that like it's kind of hindsight is 2020. 20, that it's it, people in their tw- early 20s don't know what to talk about because they're going through the shit Right. And yeah. they can't see out of the fog yet. Like they're like, this is a joke and I hate my life. I don't want to talk yeah. about it.
1: I, fe- I feel like you inadvertently walked into the cheesiest tagline, by the way, is that hindsight, hindsight is hindsight. talking <laughs> 20.
2: Yeah, we used it. We used it for
0: 2020 last year, right? Incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah we used it for <laughs> No, we used it hindsight, Maybe we we used didn't hindsight use it. is 2020 for a podcast. For a, we were Episodes. reflecting on last year's 2021 right. and we put hindsight is 2020. Yeah, there are a lot of puns that come along with 20. You would have no idea, but <laughs> there are. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, if you had to do it, do a podcast, the same kind of podcast on a different movie, not gray related. What would Not you do? Kind of... A different color. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean definitely 50 first dates, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's perfect. It just fits the format really, really oh, well. Oh, that
0: is a good one. You've thought about this before.
1: Uh no, I was just thinking of the first movie with 50 in the title,
0: so that I didn't have to work. Why does it hard. have to
2: be 50? Like, do like it's the 10 year. things I do 10 things I hate about you, and then it's Ten weeks, like how to lose a guy
0: in ten days.
1: This is our
0: (laughs) ten-day-long shindig. This is our
1: Patreon series, right, where you can get exclusive. I'm gonna do it in ten days. (laughs) Ten things (laughs) I need. How to lose a guy in ten days in ten days, and yeah, that's that's how you you get more content out of them.
0: It's just more content. He's got the whole TikTok (laughs) (laughs) account.
1: I like I like that you call it brilliant when I'm just like oh this movie has a number in it and that'll be days or weeks. But again that's
2: what happens to us we joke like we put stuff out and people are like wow you guys just really have your shit together and we're like we made that up seven minutes ago because we knew we needed to do something and then we quickly made up something that we didn't like and we put it out and you all love it. We spend weeks deciding on something and like you know, okay, how should we do this? Making different decisions, trying to strategize and it gets nothing. So yeah, no, brilliance I think is, is in the like, just keep it moving. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, That was, that was our goal. I would say though, like in, in terms of other movies um, I think my like taste in, in movies has just been like completely destroyed um, as a result of this. I used to be like really, really critical of movies, but uh, one of the episodes that we did was comparing um, Fifty Shades of Grey to Twilight, for very uh, obvious reasons. Is like Fifty Shades was a fanfic, and uh, I I've seen Twilight. I hated Twilight. Watching it, I was like, "This is a good movie. <laughs> this is it. I like this movie." <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I know it's not Just like a
0: anything good movie. in comparison to watching something movie. fifty times. You're like, "I'm in. I love it." <laughs>
1: Yeah. 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 I was just so appreciative of like (laughs) the plot that they had because there's like a villain and I was like, oh my God, something to like intentionally hate. Thank you. It was great.
2: (laughs) And so doing the podcast itself, what was a learning experience either like creatively or being on that format? What's like, what did you take away from it other than it's a horrible movie?
1: Yeah. I think like the, the, the hard thing is really the organization. There were a couple of, of, uh, really key lessons that I learned. I mean, one was like, uh, you know, I, I had partners in it and like when you're working on, I, I kind of knew this, but like in different capacities, but when you're working on something creative, especially with your friends, the, the lines, uh, like your swim lanes and your, your, um, yeah the, the lines of, of work just get really really blurry right who's who's going to own what um, you know someone my, my friend Ross he was doing so much of the heavy lifting um, which I felt was only fair because I was really driving the content uh, but from his perspective it's like hey I, I'm spending the most hours here on the podcast and it's like yeah that's, that's tough that's not fair and So um, we really had to like we needed uh, more transparency uh, between all of us on just like the work that we were doing and and how to set those boundaries and set expectations with friends. And then on the other side, uh, I realized that, dang, I work a full time job and um, content creation is a lot of fun, but there's a lot more work that comes along with it. And I didn't really have a lot of good ways to protect my own energy, honestly. And so, like, I was on pretty quick tracks to uh, burnout just because we were like trying to publish content weekly, trying to market for it, trying to put out creative for it. Um, And, like, on top of that, yeah, I've got like a full time job. I travel for work sometimes. Um, I have a a relationship. (laughs) Like, there are a lot of things uh, that I, I need to deal with week over week. And I just like didn't even think about my own well being while I like added something to my plate.
0: Preach, yeah, Yeah. preach. We, but it's
2: interesting because having um, a, I think a lot of people think about podcasts, which is why so many people want to do them, is they have no idea what it takes to put a podcast together. And uh, a good quality one at that. Like we work so hard on keeping, as we said, like our content and everything to a certain standard and the recordings and the video work and everything. Bridget's the one who does the heavy lifting for us. And right now she's the one with the like crazy schedule trying to manage these things. And it's a lot. It's hard because you're like, okay, this is like an outlet and it's fun, but we also take it seriously. And like, we have goals and objectives for it. And yeah, the first thing that goes is like your sanity. It's the first mm-hmm. thing that's allowed to go out the window before your other responsibilities. And we're working on like, okay, we said we were going to do like these posts or we were going to do this. We can also like relinquish that. No one's expecting anything from us, which is where we, our favorite thing was we came up with like, Let's do seasons because we just hadn't got our shit together for the beginning of 2022. Yeah, and we hadn't recorded anything, and we were like, "Fuck, we're so behind." But we were behind for what we decided. Like, <laughs> yeah, no nobody knew. Asking, nobody <laughs> cared. Like, like I watched your stuff on uh, Instagram, Anthony, and I didn't notice if a week went by and there wasn't anything posted. Of but course. on your own, you you put it on yourself because you're like that's what it's going to be that's the plan I can't fall apart but it's like no but your sanity needs to not be the first thing going out the door no one's expecting anything from you just drop it yeah that's what we did we were like let's just say we're starting season two in a few weeks and there you go like that tells a yeah. new story and everyone was like congratulations on season one. Oh my god you guys killed it and we were like we're like losing our shit right now. <laughs> we're so 100%. sideways.
1: It's 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 yeah. intense. And like honestly, my recommendation for anybody who's like entering the creative space right now is just like, hey, set expectations and boundaries with yourself. Like mm-hmm. you you need to know when you are in need of one of the things. It's really funny too cuz like the creator space is something that I'm I'm um, I'm like interested in researching lately and like one of the greatest challenges I mean, monetization and like making money enough to like support people pursuing their passions is obviously huge. But the drive to do that causes so many creators to burn out and just stop completely. And so like, you know, find find a way to make trades with yourself because if it means that you can create for longer, but you have to take like a break or you have to like slow down your publishing schedule, just do it. Like, yeah, t- take the time you need to do it right. I, I know that it's like, yeah, I, I know that there's like a, a drive to just like be out there, be relevant, publish something and, and like make it perfect. But I think like everyone needs to kind of like take it at their pace and find their rhythm because that was the other thing is like after a little while, we were like, man, we do not need to put the time that we're putting into some of these like Instagram posts that we're, we're putting. You know what I mean? We, we got past that barrier. Like we have some people who like trust us now on our socials. Let's just like ship less polished, more fun shit.
0: Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah, it's important. And it's, it's so hard as well because, you know, you listen to podcasts and you listen to, you watch YouTube channels about being a creator and all they say is like, publish content, quality or quantity over quality and all this stuff. And it's hard because you are holding yourself to a standard. It's hard to just yeah. put out stuff that you're not fully confident in. Well, it you are the product. To burn out. So
2: yeah, it does feel like if people don't like it, I'm not being liked. Like there is always that inherent, which was like my least favorite part of being an artist and walking. Like a big reason I quit the theater world was because I hated auditions. Cause I was like, this is stupid. None of you get to judge me. I, I am not going to be what gets me paid. I want to have a job separate to my identity. And yeah. So there's like, that still exists with podcasts and creating content. You're still kind of like, it's my voice. Like I think I'm annoying. The constant joke is like, Mary. What's my longest rant, Bridget? Five minutes? Seven
0: and a half minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn. What was it? What was it on? You're not allowed to go into it. And- I
0: blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did.
1: <laughs> Bridget got to edit that, and it was like. For your audience, it was just an exhale from Mary, but for Bridget,
0: <laughs> seven and
1: a half minutes. I
0: have it I haven't saved in a folder just to like throw back in her face one day. <laughs> Listen, uh, okay, so let's oh, move great. on to our next, our next topic. So clearly, yeah. let's go back to your uh, early twenties. You're clearly a very creative person. So was it a no brainer to go to school for the arts, or uh, did you ever think of going for something else? Did you want to take a safer route? What was that yeah. decision like?
1: Yeah, it's really funny because my, um, my parents have been supportive of me being a creative, but, uh, both my parents are immigrants from Italy. And so like their understanding of, um, success is job security and family. And, uh, I I don't think that's a bad definition at all. It's just like, it wasn't really mine at any point. And so I was always very, very interested in pursuing arts creativity or like anything that let me, uh, pursue my passions. Um, Even like I spent just like an absorbent amount of time on the internet because I love the internet and like my parents didn't really understand how that would ever translate into a job. Um, I work in tech now so it did but uh, back then they were like why don't you become a teacher like you're good with like kids and, and I think you'd make a great teacher I was like, eh, we can, like, explore it, but I really want to go into theater and acting. And they were like, for teaching? I was like, no. (laughs) So uh, I I actually did, when I started university, I was actually a double major in uh, English and theater. And, um, like, English was my primary and theater was my secondary. And that was honestly mostly to appease my parents. Um, But when I... Uh, honestly like halfway through my first year all of my English classes were just like so dead uh, like the, the people who were there um, they didn't a lot of them I shouldn't say all of them but a lot of them did not care and it was clear that like they were there for some sort of credit they, they weren't sure what they wanted to do and I think that's fine like when we were 18 19 you know it makes a lot of sense to not really have a direction but I was like working with a bunch of young, ambitious theater majors at the same time. And they were so passionate, so hardworking, like the demand from uh, the theater program was super, super high. And every one of these people was like matching it and like with enthusiasm. And I was like, I I, I want to be wherever these people are going. Like, I, I, I can't not chase whatever this energy is and so i told my parents i was like i'm full-time theater like whatever that leads to i'm i'm going that way and like i'll i'll have english as a minor maybe or like i ended up taking creative writing as my minor but um but yeah like i did consider what a safe route would look like and uh it just it bored the hell out of me and i knew that if I was going to um, take that route, I would be pursuing something that wouldn't make me happy. And so, yeah, I just like decided to commit. Like I said, good idea or stupid idea. I'm very, very committed to uh, whatever I say I'm gonna do.
2: Yeah, well, it's cool that there's like an instinct in there where even at a young age, you're like, I gotta go for this, or else I'll always regret it and wonder why. Um, but there is a sense, like, I know when I was applying to schools, I was not thinking about like careers. It was still kind of like, no, I can do this. Like I can be the actor. I can work in that industry. I love the people. I love the community. But as you go through school, you learn so much about the business and you learn so much about why it's tough. And you mentioned it earlier, like putting on a theater production and how expensive it can be did it, did it excite you still where you were like, okay, no, I'm going to make it work in this world. There are people that do it. This is just the lifestyle I live. Or was there a bit of like, uh oh, but I also want to like have a retirement plan and have like all these things that as an adult you start to consider. And then you get overwhelmed by this decision you made when you were 18, 19 years old.
1: Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Did I have existential dread? I
2: (laughs) sum it up. That's the question.
1: (laughs) Great question. Um, Honestly, no, I I like kind of came to terms with, I'm either going to, I'm either going to really make it or I'm going to scrape by. And I was pretty comfortable with that. I, There was no part of me that thought like, I'm going to fail really, really hard. And this is like a super privileged place to come from. Like I have a family that I know would support me if anything went horribly, horribly wrong in my life. And so, yeah, I just had that security always. And, um, yeah, like it's, it's a really, really privileged thing to be able to say, but it, it it gave me the confidence that like, I can just kind of chase the thing that I really want to chase, um. And I mean, it didn't end up working out like I'm not a famous actor. I'm not a I I don't uh, work in theater anymore. Uh, Similar to you, Mary, I was very, very tired of people uh, judging me in auditions and uh, telling me that I was or was not good enough for a role or like I was just short. I should try for a different one or like nothing, just like crickets. And so I really wanted to like I I realized I wanted to be creative and make my own work. And that's like always been the goal but uh but yeah I just had like confidence that I'd figure it out what wherever I landed I'd figure it out and like I wasn't gonna I I think the only decision I would regret is not like trying that and not uh finding out for myself because I I think it took me you know investing in in acting and investing in theater to realize that like I actually don't think I want this long term
2: Mm hmm Yeah. You learn a lot about yourself at that time too. Like you're, you're young and you're scraping by or whatever. And you learn about those things that you value, the people in your life that are going to stick by you. And you know, you start to envision like things you want. And if it's all tied to this thing you have no control of, which is I'm going to go into an audition room and someone's going to like me and they're going to hand me a paycheck, which also can sometimes come with like the we can cancel your contract and pay you out at any time. And then you just don't have a job anymore. And also, even if you get like a two year contract in two years, you have no idea where your money's coming from. Yeah. So there's just like, if you really learn what you're made of and like, I, I, for me, I'm like people in that industry, there's a love for the craft. There's a skill to it, but there's like a j- desire to chase that lifestyle as well. And if you don't have all that, you can't, you can't keep it up.
1: A hundred percent. And like, yeah. But there are great stories of, um, you know, people in, in all industries that, like, make it past their, like, prime, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, like Steve Carell. I think Ken Jeong as well. Uh, I think that's his name. i really sad if I screw that up. But, like, those are two, like, comedic actors who, like, Ken was a doctor. And then he was, like, I really want to try making it as an entertainer. And he ended up pursuing acting and, and making it. And I think, like... I, I I I that's not my path, but like, yeah. I, I There's there's even now, I I still kind of have that same mentality that I had entering university, which is like, I think I could do it. Like if I if I really put my mind to it. I mean, I I watched Fifty Shades of Grey once a week for fifty weeks. Like what what You've else got the can yeah. life throw in my way?
2: Yeah, I get that too <laughs> sometimes. Where I'm like, if I had the discipline I have now and the like desire to follow through with things, which I just didn't have when I was younger. Yeah. I, I have that, like, I don't know if it's like just a delusion of grandeur, but I'm like, I think I would fucking kill it in that industry if I did it. But yeah. I like my house with my mortgage, so I'm not going to do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and it's super fair. It's super reasonable. And uh, why people like us quickly had to burnout by taking on <laughs> more than one yeah. thing at a time. Yes.
0: yes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you, you wanted to get the fuck out of wherever you were living in this small town. So was it a huge culture shock moving to Toronto? I also moved from a small town. and moved from Orangeville to Toronto and I found it just like I had, I didn't know how to get around anywhere. I didn't know how to do anything. It was like just this crazy new world opened up. How did you feel moving? Before you answer, I'd like to
2: correct that Anthony used to call Orangeville bumfuck nowhere.
1: That's true. In high school. <laughs> That's true. He thought that we were
2: so far away, which, like, now is not that far.
1: I know. Yeah. I know. It's hilarious. I, it, like, yeah, it, it, legitimately throwing stone from a glass house. Like, I yeah. lived in, I, I lived, yeah. what, 20 <laughs> minutes also, away from you? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and everyone, I'd invite people over and Anthony would be like, I'm not coming sure so you're in bumfuck nowhere. It's just Orangeville. It's Orangeville. I don't know. Honestly, I just anyway. didn't
1: want to come to anything.
2: It's it <laughs> fair. That's fine. I get it. No. Anyway, h- sorry, go
1: on. Hilarious story about this. Like, uh, when I got to university and I started getting invited out to Toronto things, I literally had a conversation with my parents where I was mad at them for sheltering me. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to ride the fucking subway. Like it's, everyone's like, what do you mean? It's a straight line. And I'm like, I, but there's a two lines and it's a U and I don't understand how to go back and forth. And it's like, so What is north and south? <laughs> yeah. Like it's the easiest subway line. And I think back and I'm like, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. Even the buses, like everything about it is so, so easy. But I was, uh, yeah, I was like really intimidated by my spaces. I, um, I was like scared of everybody <laughs> and I, I didn't, I, I like couldn't be left alone. Like I needed to travel with a friend. Cause I was like, I would have friends who were like, just meet me the at- The buddy
2: system? Yeah. They were like,
1: meet me at this coffee shop on, you know, Blue and whatever. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Can you come get me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could you meet me at the station and then we could maybe walk oh, together.
2: My
0: God.
1: It was so, <laughs> so embarrassing. So yes, I definitely had that kind of culture shock. Uh, and
0: at this point, yeah. we didn't have like GPS and stuff like that. Like, we couldn't just pull. I mean, no, we I did, did a little bit, but it
1: wasn't.
0: I, <laughs> <a lot> of- <laughs>
1: I appreciate you trying to let me off the hook, but I had a phone. I had every tool.
0: <laughs> Bridget
2: talks about moving. She went to Ryerson and she talks about the first time. She, like, what did you, where did you go? You went downtown from your. Yeah, from I Red? walked
0: from my residence, which was at Young, and my residence, which was like. A three minute walk from Young and Dundas subway station, and I walked to Young and Dundas subway station. And I was like, oh my God, I did it. <laughs> I can't believe I made it. <laughs>
1: that's huge. I'm proud of you. It
0: was huge. Past. Thank you. Thank you. Just oh, oh a big God, milestone hilarious. for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, okay, so my question. Uh, so you finished up school, and there's the daunting reality. Of, well, we already kind of asked this yeah okay <laughs> well i mean no i'll ask anyway sorry sure. um so yeah you finish up school there's the daunting reality of life as an artist yes. and it must start creeping in
0: questions uh, are so dramatic
2: <laughs> I literally was just like this just spewed out of my brain earlier today um but yeah you have this daunting okay rewind i'm gonna improv it okay so we get to our final years of school and it's always stressful because now it's like Now this is serious. Your safety net's gone. School's gone. There's no grade left to do. Um, Unless you go back into the school system. (laughs) There's no (laughs) grades left to do.
1: (laughs) Terrifying.
2: Yeah, but there is like, you're like, okay, now I got to like go do this thing that I've been setting up to do. And when you're in school and you go back to see like family members, people ask the question. What are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm studying this, and when I graduate, I'm gonna do this, and da And then the reality hits, and it's like now go do that thing. What was your game plan? Were you like, all right, actor world was what was your in your head at that time?
1: I had uh yeah, I had a, a like minimal game plan. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll nice. we'll kind of figure it out. I um, I was working part-time at a movie theater. I was uh, managing there. I was a, a long-termer there. And um, the, the one nice thing I had was immediately leaving university. Uh, we actually took one of our university shows that we had created, and we were selected for the World Stage Design Festival. I think this was in 2013, um, which was being held in Cardiff, Wales. And this was, like, huge, huge, huge for us because they um, – We we kind of had a a bit of an in which helped, but they, they choose like a a few reps from around the world. And we were, um, uh, we we sort of submitted this, uh, physical theater show. It's like a very dancey piece. And our premise was like, you know, we really worked on body as design. And, uh, so we were all in on getting the show overseas immediately after school and then once we got it overseas we're like, okay well now we have to bring it back. this is a show that performed on an international stage this is huge uh, so I got to cling to that for a couple of years after university where I was like, well we're we're taking our international show back and we're trying to make it happen locally and we're trying to get that funded and so yeah I could I could say that you know I was working um, as an actor in that capacity I was also just like, doing a couple short films, um, and things like that. And so when people asked, uh, that was really what I was pursuing was like, how do I become a
2: working actor?
1: I was a working actor and you're in the biz trying to figure out how to make it full time. Uh, I also like co-ran the theater company that we, um, we had this, this, uh, show on. And so we were trying to figure out how do we make this like a sustainable thing where we're like constantly putting on shows and getting enough income to uh, pay ourselves, which was like obviously the the biggest challenge. So yeah, immediately out of university was not a big deal, but hilariously, and this is like a real thing, and I I, um, shame my mom for it every time. At our graduation ceremony, um, my my parents like obviously drove me, and my dad generously, like immediately, this is like 10 minutes after the ceremony's done, my dad's like, I'll go get the car. So we're like sitting down, waiting and my mom's like so what's next i hope you don't think you can coast and i was like mom i graduated 10 minutes ago if you could just <laughs> chill for like i don't know a week that would be
2: solid <laughs> yeah could i like have a nap maybe and then we'll talk about it that's amazing That's fantastic. so okay on a side note that was that the show where you had to get like crazy fit and you were on like a super strict regiment. I've, I remember yeah. we, we connected at this point and we hadn't talked for a while, but you were telling me about a show where you had to get like crazy in shape.
1: Yeah, we, we were, we were doing like our abstract, you know, avant-garde theater thing. And we were making a show that was just kind of like trying to, um, trying to visualize toxic masculinity and in, in like, um, a, a way that would help like hit people. Uh, it just a little bit different, like uh, trying to communicate how the like mindset of toxic masculinity can affect and shape young men. And so the way we did that was we, we made a show that was like physically challenging on the performers. And the, the objective was for every night's performance to really like put the performers to their literal physical limit. And so, you know, we worked with a personal trainer and, and, we had all these like really intense physical movements that would exhaust us. Um, And yeah, we we had to train like really, really hard for it because like (laughs) we had to make it to the end of the show. um, But just barely. And it was really interesting too, because like the more we did the show, the more in shape we got and the easier the show was. And we realized that in our first run. And so what we had to do was actually like make a show that was bigger than us and like stronger than us. And um yeah, it was it was really really uh, it was a really interesting time, but w- we had to uh, show like a, a lot of discipline to to make that happen.
0: So like, That's what crazy. kind of movements were this? Can you explain what you mean by like what what did you have to do in the show?
1: Yeah, we um, like basically any th- the whole thing was a sort of you, when I say physical theater, you can imagine it as like kind of an interpretive dance piece, but we okay. took like. Um, we, we made sure every one of our movements was difficult. So if we were trying to tell a story, like there was one, um, there was probably my favorite scene is we, uh, did this one scene where, um, you know, the boys were playing keep away from one of the ones that they felt was weaker with a, a, a ball, which was really an orange, which is a weird metaphor, but we're going to breeze past that. And, uh, in order, <laughs> and instead of just like throwing it around, uh, we did what are called like tiger rolls. And um, if you're not familiar, these are like kind of a football exercise where uh, it's usually involving three people and one person will roll under the other and then that person will, from a plank position, hop over them and then mm. land and roll and it continues in this sort of pattern. And so, oh my
2: God. It was also a TikTok trend at one point.
1: Oh, wild. I actually didn't know that.
0: You <laughs> yeah. would, you. I bet you would have gone viral for that.
1: We were yeah. ahead of the game on this one. And so <laughs> we did it with uh, the, the four boys actually doing that um, and, like, keeping the ball away from one of them. And so every one of our movements, Damn. like every piece of our story was, you know, some sort of, like, explosive or sustained physical movement that was just tough and, like we wanted to make it interesting. We we kept it a small crowd so that the audience would be close and constantly see like, oh, that guy's struggling. Like his, he's going to give out in a second. And, you know, we made a bunch of fumbles and mistakes often because we were tired. But like it became a part of the show. It was the, the whole thing was physically taxing. And that was kind of the point.
0: Terrifying. That's so cool. That's a, I, so cool. As a performer, yeah. it
1: was because like, you know, I would get normal jitters as a performer. But this was like, Oh man, I'm sore, and like, I really hope I don't screw up the choreography that's coming, just because I'm tired. Um, well, and yeah. it's like
2: you set out like sometimes you do a show, and I remember thinking like, man, at the beginning of the rehearsals I could not do that, and now like when I like when we did a tap show, yeah, and at the beginning I'm like we can't do a four-minute tap sequence, and by the end you're like I can do it. I'm still terrified I won't get through it tonight, but like the goal is to get there and know that you can succeed so that in front of an audience, you're not failing on your face. So the fact that you guys put that roadblock, like, no, but the goal is (laughs) to not feel safe or like I'm going to succeed is like my worst nightmare.
1: (laughs) It was, it was a big challenge. It was constantly scary. And like, on top of that, we were acting, like we were trying to portray characters who, you know, weren't necessarily ourselves. And yeah, when you are like, physically exhausted uh but mentally exhausted just generally but like physically you're so tired and you're like okay this is the scene where i die <laughs> and like i need to then like you know my, my partner is going to uh uh really regret what he has to do and, and it's like there's all this that you have to communicate uh to each other and you're like yeah but i can't breathe like <laughs> i'm so fucking tired <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun uh,
0: though, and that's like, wild <laughs> that's wild that's so cool that's cool. So I'm going to move us along, Mayor. I think we answered most of these questions. I'm going to move us along to our next point, Um, our next talking point. So, Anthony, we asked you about your peaks and valleys. So obviously this um, uh, show was one of your peaks and going to school was one of your peaks. But you also have a valley that's a very common experience for people in their 20s, but we actually haven't talked about it on this show yet. Um, So you mentioned in, did he mention this in the survey there? So you mentioned in the survey that uh, you were cheated on by your then-girlfriend in your 20s. Are you willing to talk about that?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Sweet. Okay. Mayor, take it away! (laughs) (laughs) yeah well yeah
2: so i and anthony and i are friends from the past but i didn't know this until i read the questions so um i'm learning about it too but yeah so walk us through how you found out this was happening where you were at in life at the time
1: yeah this was really interesting and like it, it um it was so i was in a relationship of uh, a long term relationship too of 8 years and um you know I, I think like we kind of met um in our first year yeah in our first year of university and like we uh, had such a strong bond and and um it's really really interesting because i don't think there was like a point where we were um where we were like, it it wasn't like we were like fighting or anything. We were like our same selves. And um, yeah, she, she ended up uh, like making some, some new friends. And um, my ex was a very, very like bubbly and flirty person in general. And after eight years though, like the, the trust is super, super high. And so like, I never had a problem with that. Uh, I tend to be like really unintentionally flirty. I think like Mary, from like the day we met, that was like a, a that thing a that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. honestly, for me though, it's like 99% oblivion and just like enthusiasm. I'm just like a, a puppy and- um,
2: it's Like a mix of flirt with charisma. So the lines- That's generous. That's very generous,
1: but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think like both of us were like generally pretty flirty people. And so we both just had like a ton of trust in each other. Um, But it was interesting because like um, uh, she she had met a friend and um, the interactions that they had with this person, they just like something didn't feel the same. You know, it it like it felt just different enough that uh, I remember thinking, this is weird. Like I feel... I feel like a little bit of jealousy, and um, I remember confronting them about it. And like, you know, I, I've never been the controlling type, so like, encouraged her to hang out with with this person um, whenever they wanted. Uh, I've never been like a, a super jealous type, and so, um, but I, I remember uh, letting her know. I was like, "Listen, I, I just like want to lay it out there because, like, I." Feel like you have feelings for this person that are more than friendship. And like, I just want to let you know that I'm feeling uncomfortable. And like, um, I'm sure I didn't sound as like perfectly uh, reasonable. as Controlled. I yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I sort of like set that expectation. And I was like, I just want to like check in with you. And she assured me that there was nothing there. And I was like, okay, cool. Then like, you know, that that's all there is to this story. The lingering feelings, like, kind of remained for me. But um, one day they they went out together. They, like, took a drive. <laughs> this is really shitty, too. It was in, they, they took a drive in, like, uh, our neck of the woods, like, where we grew up. And because uh, there's, like, some beautiful scenery out there. And um, a day later, she had, like, let me know. It, we were living together at the time. She, like, hey, we kissed. And, um, and. For, for me, like, that's a pretty big line. Um, and I was like, well, this fucking sucks. And the way it went from there is I was like, this is like eight years and you've kissed. Like, you know, my, my ex was really regretful. So, like, I was like, okay, well, I, I want to try and work this out. And, and like, I don't want to, like, just give up on this. Um and I think that's like the most interesting part. I think it's like what happens after the cheating that is like super super interesting. I think a lot of people would have drawn a line, and some people might have said like a kiss isn't bad. Some people would have been like, nope, cheating is cheating. It's it's over.
2: Um, it's also a pretty intentional. It sounds like a pretty intentional uh, choice versus yeah. just like yeah, there's been like some blurred lines, and then there's drinking, and oh no, we kiss, and I hate that. I it's like we took a drive. Yes, out of town to a nice romantic spot.
1: A hundred percent sober, and, and yeah, I, and yeah. like, yeah, yeah, pretty intentional. And I think though, like, what really broke my trust was like, after that, it's about like, okay, how do we trust each other again? How do we move on from this? How do I like look at you and not think about the person who you know betrayed me or like uh, broke uh, the the boundaries that I, I I thought were implied, but whatever. Um and I was like I need to set those boundaries and I was like listen like what happened happened um but I I think like for me to have a healthy relationship with you I need like I I I can't have that person in our life like She was like, listen, we're just friends. Like, you know, what, what happened happened. But I think like, she was like, it was more like an exploration, (laughs) which is weird. But, um, (laughs) she's like, yeah, what happened happened, but like committed to this relationship. And I want to maintain a friendship with that person. And I'm not the type to like give ultimatums or like, you know, say who you can and can't be friends with. But I was like, uh, one great example was like her dad was having an art show and she was inviting, um. This this person to come along, and I was like, no, (laughs) like I don't think it's fair to have them like mingling with a family that I've like you know kind of established with with yours, and um, yeah, she wasn't she really wasn't willing to budge on that, and that broke my trust more than anything because I was like, now I am like telling you exactly as a partner what I need to like feel safe and secure, and you're telling me no, and that was like really the point of no return for our relationship because once um, like uh, once you switch from telling me that like you will do anything to like keep us together to being like, well, except for that. (laughs) um, I think it was like pretty clear that uh, the, the, you know, the the respect and and it just wasn't there.
0: Yeah, Ah. for sure. So what, uh, what have you like brought from that experience into your, other relationships like has this made you not trust people as much as you used to how how do you feel now
1: yeah I think um I I think at first like it it had a heavy impact in that way where I was like "Ooh, I feel uncomfortable anytime somebody talks like flirts with somebody or like you know has that kind of behavior or or mentions that they're hanging out one-on-one with somebody I was like big reflex um but I uh I I worked really hard to just like avoid that taking over and like it's so easy to catch when you know you've been hurt that way and you know that that's where it's coming from like because the other thing that I'm really grateful for was I was like you know what she made that decision for me like she made it real easy to be like hey this person doesn't have my best interest in mind I'm kind of glad I didn't spend the rest of my life with them um so I I, uh, I I I don't cling on to uh, jealousy that way. Or if I do, I know that it's super irrational. The thing for me was actually like, I think that was like the first time in my life where I had set clear boundaries with somebody, which is so crazy. I've so consistently considered myself like a peacemaker and like the uh, you know uh, middle child who is like just trying to mediate. And yeah. yeah, and and for the first time, I was like, no, this is what I need. And there's like this is, this is it. Like I'm telling you how I feel and what I need. And that has been super, super impactful for me. Um,
2: yeah. So, okay. So I have a few questions. First one being, so as soon as you guys break up, that's eight years, you must've had like a lot of mutual friends and like this whole life together. What are the repercussions of deciding to end that? And, you know, obviously you're angry and there must be some like leftover resentment of some kind. So what is like the aftermath as soon as you're like, okay, I'm out?
1: Yeah. The, um, so it was really interesting because the, uh, <laughs> like my closest friends were like, yeah, like we support you hundred percent. But our, our friends that we had made really mutually, um, were awkward to navigate And so the ones that I like really cared about, I, um, I messaged when it was relevant, like just, you know, not, not about this, but like reached out and made sure that they were cool. And, um, it was really, really encouraging to see that they were actually like all super supportive. I think, um, one thing I realized about my ex is she may have developed Quite shallow relationships with some of them, and um, there there are some though where she had deeper relationships with. And I was like, you know what, I, those are those are sort of out of bounds for me, and I think those would be difficult for me to um, navigate anyway. And so you you lose some friends in that way. I don't think there was anything like spiteful or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, I think there are some people that I have to part with, uh, but for the most part, like the ones that we had as like truly truly uh, mutual friends with both of us i think they're comfortable to navigate it um and i also told her i was like listen i, I i'm it's not my place and now i'm saying it on our podcast but i was like it's not my place to tell them what you did like i will I, I you tell them like that's that's you can control your story you tell it however you want um i'm not interested in like petty revenge or anything like that. And it's been quite a few years, so I feel more comfortable saying it now. But
2: like, yeah. That's crazy big of you. Because like a lot of people, yeah. you're just in instinct mode, right? Like you're, you're not... I feel like when people get so hurt or they feel lack of trust, you get like a distortion of reality a little bit. So you say things that you don't mean. You yeah. might, you know, change the narrative on some stories that used to be positive and all of a sudden it's negative because you're mad at that person. So the fact that you came out of that and you were like... I'm gonna give you space to like be the villain in your own story or not, that's not up to me. And like, you just like so healthy, like automatically just <laughs> like go and do the healthy thing.
1: I There's like so much clarity that comes from um, honestly, just like being in the right in a situation like that. Knowing that I had at no point done anything to hurt this person actually like made it really easy to part ways with them. Because I was like, I can leave here with my hands clean. And that whole, like, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, I feel like that would have been true the longer we stayed in touch. I feel like, you know, if, if we continued to have a relationship, even as friends, I just felt myself growing resentment and, like, wanting to act on it more and more. There were times where I was like, ooh, if people knew, if people knew, but, um, but yeah, it, it, like, wasn't worth it. Uh, that like like it didn't deserve to live rent free in my head you know what I mean like I I just wanted that piece I love that saying yeah like that. yeah and so yeah being able to just walk away and be like you tell it you you can own that to them lie if you want to but like uh, yeah I, I'm I'm just going to uh, point them your way
0: yeah, yeah that's okay. So obviously it's hard to like see through the fog when you're in it. So what kind of um, advice would you offer for somebody who's going through a similar situation?
1: Yeah. I, I, I think, I think you've nailed it though, Bridget. Like it's really hard to see through the fog when you're in it. And so like, I think you need to give yourself space. The, the um, urge that I had at every point was how do I resolve this as fast as fucking possible? Like, how do I either get back together with you today or end this move out, like change my name, be in another country? Like, how do we just like (laughs) fucking depart? (laughs) And that was like such the, it was just like not the right instinct. I wanted to um, have everything resolved so that I didn't have to like deal with The pain, the questions. Like, I've known this person and they've been my counterpart for eight years. Like, where am I? Where do I go from here? But taking the time to process it on my own, I set a hard boundary too. We live together. I was like, either I move or you do. Like, I I can't live with my ex in a one bedroom in Toronto. I was like, I'm (laughs) sorry, but like, we need to change rooms. And she was like, I think we're close enough that we can, like, still sleep in the same bed, I was like, I don't, (laughs) like, at all, (laughs) and so, to anybody who is going through that, listen, I highly recommend, take space, take time, determine, like, what your core, I had really good advice from my now fiance, her and I had been friends forever and, like, explored a romantic relationship after, like, a a while after this, and what was awesome was she actually, like, did help me and gave me some of the best advice uh, ever, she asked me to like line up what my you know five core values are. However, I wanted to summarize them, whether it be in words or sentences. Like, what are the things that mean the most to me, and then what are my boundaries that ensure that those core values stay in place? And when I did that, it was like, man, I'm putting way too much of my focus on this person who hurt me, and not enough on like what I actually want or like you know how to protect myself for like anyone who uh, is like a, I don't know, a sports person, uh, there's like a really great quote that I like, I don't know, you can make sound nicer, but like um, there's uh, the, the quote is like losers focus on winners, winners focus on winning. And so like, I don't know, I've just kind of like rephrased that in my mind a lot to, to remind myself to focus on myself, like, and, and the things that I want rather than the people that are like weighing me down or like, I feel are are, uh, doing better than me. Cause like the other part is if they've cheated, especially if they've moved on, they have someone to confide in and you've just lost your person. And so, yeah, it's just like do what you need to do to focus on yourself and figure out exactly what you want. And I promise you, promise you, if you stay true to those things that you will come out feeling a lot better, but it's not an immediate thing. It is going to take that time. Mm
2: -hmm. That's wild. I love it because you're like, like, talking about prioritizing yourself and setting boundaries, you also put in, like, some extreme ownership on your own end, and A, it's, like, be a nice person and be kind, but you can come out of it knowing, like, like, the fact that you were able to look back and be, like, that's the first person I've ever really set boundaries for, that's life-changing, like, that's a life-changing experience to see the positive effect of something like that. Um, Do you give an example of, like, how it's like positively maybe adjusted some of your other relationships, like family members or someone that you had a relationship with through that, and you evolved. What was the adjustment of boundaries?
1: Yeah, um, but before I answer that, one one clarification I do want to make is, um, and and I, I know you meant this like in a positive way, Mary, but I, I'm actually not saying that you have to be nice. <laughs> I think like uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think I was like. I told her quite clearly the ways that she had hurt me. And I told her quite clearly the ways that I was like disappointed in her actions. And I also put the pressure on her to, uh, you know, own, own the narrative and like, yeah, lie if she wanted to, but like tell the truth if she was bigger than that. And so I don't think any of those things were nice. And I don't think you have to be nice. I just think you have to like, uh, do things in a way that would make you proud of yourself. And so like, I didn't at any point feel like I had to unnecessarily put her down or like, you know, make her feel disgusting. I just had to frame the things that she did to me in in a, a way that was true and help her understand why it was damaging and why I feel the way that I do. Um, and sorry, I just wanted to clarify that because like... I, I be a feel dick like,
2: you're saying be a dick.
1: Be That's the funny. biggest <laughs> asshole. No, I just like I sort of grew up um despite like being a bully to marry, I, I grew up really valuing uh being nice. And like, how can I, you know, be a a really like kind and nice person. And those are a part of the things that really prevented me from setting my own boundaries. Because sometimes the nicest thing to do is to take it all onto yourself, right? The nicest thing to do in that situation would have been to say, yes, we can absolutely be friends and just bury all my feelings. Um, So yeah, I just I feel passionately about that, which is like, segue into your question, which is like how it's impacted my relationships, because um, it's actually impacted my work, my working relationships more than anything. The life lesson of like, hey, you can set boundaries and you can tell people how you feel has um, helped me just like be a decisive person. One of the things that I often did in any working relationship was just fucking say yes. I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, 100%. Um, but understanding that like, Hey, I have boundaries, I have limits and I have conditions with which I will do my best work has helped me actually just communicate to like bosses that like, yeah, this isn't reasonable. This isn't possible. And like, here's what is, and that kind of clear communication has gotten me a lot, a lot further. Um, because I'm, I'm like less liable to disappoint somebody and like much, much more clear in like what will get done. And that's like really, really appreciated.
2: Which must also help you avoid burning out in a job as well.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I still like try to do more than I, I can and so like I still have work to do with even identifying my own boundaries. But yeah. um but yeah, it's it's really, really big and you know, like work shouldn't be the reason that you live five years less, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. one thousand percent. That's that. wicked.
0: So then let's move on to our final question. We asked this question for like on every interview. So if you had any advice for your 20-year-old self or for 20-year-olds today, what would it be?
1: Oh man, okay. You're going to start a podcast and I'm going to need you to <laughs> I'm going to need you to screen record and upload to TikTok. <laughs> no. Um.
2: Oh my god, it's so good.
1: I I think, like, if I was to go back and um, give 20-year-old me advice, uh, I think I would, like, I think I would just encourage them to, like, do the scarier thing a little bit more or a little bit sooner. Um, I feel like, especially in my early 20s, I was really held back by fear. But we kind of talked about this where we were, like, you know, the culture shock of Toronto. Um, Mm. And I remember... The, the, it was really funny is the the day that everything changed for me, uh, was I had an when, when we got selected for this show to, to go to Wales, um, I actually had an opportunity to get like a really big discounted flight, but I had to fly into London and, uh, I had to do it alone and I had to meet my friends in Wales, um, or at a different station in London. And I was like, okay, I'm going to travel for the first time overseas alone, I'm going to uh, jump on the subway in London. I'm going to jump on a a tram in London uh, to a different station. And I'm going to meet my friends at a spot at a time. (laughs) And I was so fucking scared. Um, But I remember like telling myself that the alternative was that I don't go. Like this was the only way that I could afford it. And so the alternative was that I don't go. And that was crazy to me. And, uh, and I'm not even kidding cause I'm such a child and we haven't talked about this, but like I thought about some of my like favorite cartoon heroes, like superheroes and like anime heroes. And I was like, man, every one of their stories is about like overcoming fear and adversity. And I was like, I like grew up understanding this. And so I really just like pushed myself to just be like, if it's scary, like you can handle it. People do this all the time. Like this isn't even like the the hardest thing anybody has ever done. And yeah, I think if I went back in my 20s, I would want to like frame that in a way that I understood way, way earlier. I think I would have just opened myself up for way more opportunities to say yes to way more things, to learn more and to have more fun.
0: Ah, Great. I love that. Great advice. Killed well, them. thank you so much for coming on the show today, Anthony. If anybody wants to reach out to you or, you know, listen, you could also plug your podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, let us know how how to do that.
1: Yeah, thank you both for having me. And yeah, if, if uh, anybody wants to reach out, you can find me on Instagram, anthony.defeo, D-I-F-E-O. Uh, or you can Oh my gosh, to do you ever
0: sing that to the bingo song? <laughs> i C U I'm not going to lie.
1: I have never thought of that. I like Really? Legitimately, uh Wow, that's going to haunt me a little bit. Yeah, you're never going
0: to get that out of your head. That's going to live rent-free in your head.
1: I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, And if you want to hate something, you can listen to me uh, descend into madness on Spotify or anywhere you get your podcast. 50 Weeks of Grey. It's a ridiculous time.